Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are back in the studio today, and we started talking about critical theory yesterday. And let me just uh, frame the conversation. You know, we're going to be very critical about particular ideas. And I think one of the things that's difficult in our particular um, generation is that we we fail to be able to separate between the person and the proposition. There is an idea, namely critical theory, and there's people that hold that idea, um, real persons who have eternal souls that will never die. When we're criticizing critical theory, we are certainly not we want to show compassion to those souls that are being held captive by this idea because it's destroying their lives. Yes. At all times, um, Thaddeus Williams would say that we need to take aim at ideas, not take aim at people. Yeah. And then when we engage with other people, we treat them as image bearers, mm-hmm. that they always bear the mark of their creator, and so that we love them. Um, Calvin would argue that when the scriptures call us to love our neighbor, how you do that is that you love the image of God in your neighbor that that allows you to love the worst of humanity um, because you're always loving the image of God in that person. Mm-hmm. And so as we engage in this, yes, we're going to be hard on ideas. We're going to be very critical because, as Josh mentioned yesterday, this we do believe that this is one, if not the greatest threat to the gospel today, it's one of the greatest threats to the gospel. So we take that seriously because we want – the gospel matters to us. We want people to embrace the gospel because, as Phil said off the air, that is the answer to all of life's problems. As simplistic as that sounds, we believe it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we are going to take aim at those things that undermine the gospel because we believe that that's undermining the most essential thing in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully as we move over the next couple of days, you'll hear us say strong things but not demonize our mm-hmm. opponents, um, not set up straw men, but actually hopefully engage with ideas and challenge ideas. Right, right. And, and yeah. ideas have consequences. And you know, we were talking off air that uh, you know one of the one of the things that we have to do is be able to see where this consequence is going to lead mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know, so you you believe something, work that work that all the way out, and where does it where does it end? Yeah. And this is and these are consequential ideas that don't have the gospel or salvation, atonement, uh, even you know, eternal life in view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know that that proverb, famous proverb at the end of Proverbs eight, all who hate me love death, and it's the pre-incarnate Christ, essentially speaking. If you hate the gospel, if you move away from the biblical worldview, you are engaging in pursuing death. And if you want to see where, where critical theory um, lands, just look at the 20th century. That, that's all you need. I mean, mm-hmm. these, are, these are the ideologies of Stalin, of 
Hitler, of Mao Zedong. That's what they believed, and millions and millions of people died because their countries adopted this ideology. And maybe some of you are are listening and saying, okay, you guys are just talking in hyperbole. Mm -hmm. The greatest threat, really? This isn't even a thing. This is something that people are making up. They're just... This is a straw man created. There's nothing to this. This is a boogeyman in the closet. And really, why are you guys wasting time on this? How would you guys respond to that? There's a whole lot of people who have never heard the term critical theory, uh, don't know anything about it, um, but it is pervasive, uh, particularly in uh, university systems. Um, Today, just about any secular university you go to you're going to get a steady four-year diet of critical theory. And uh, it has emerged now from the universities because many students come out believing it. And uh, so it's, it's now pervasive in our education system. Uh, we're not making this up. Uh, this is not some, some, some bogey that, uh, that we created. It's real. It's out there. And, and just because you may not have heard of it, uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not real. And I would encourage you uh, to start reading up on it. And, and we will, as we go along, we will suggest some resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's already been mentioned on the previous show is a book by Vodi Baucom called Fault Lines, uh, which I have just started reading. Uh, but I, I've, I've read Vodi Baucom before and, and recommend anything that he writes, and it's a good introduction. I um, have a sister that works in a secular university in Illinois. I won't say anything more than that. But this past year, she has been forced to sit through these training sessions, air quotes that you cannot see, which really amounted to indoctrinization of critical race theory, critical theory, where they were, in essence, saying that um, racism um, was institutional, that they had to send out students into the world that um, had to be trained in critical race theory um, and embrace it. And so that's one. And then in her school where she sends her her son, public school, basically the same thing was coming out from the school, that mathematics was racist and therefore needed to be, the curriculum needed to be revised and undone because that the curriculum itself was racist. I'm a math major. To me, this is just almost laughable. The whole idea. There's an illogic to the whole thing. It doesn't really follow logic. It's how you feel about it in the end. Let me just quote yesterday's Idaho Press. It says, this past year has seen a continued reappraisal of Whitman. Okay, there's your keyword, reappraisal. So you go back in time and re look at and re and oftentimes rewrite history through a particular lens yes whose actions have increasingly been viewed as imperialistic and destructive and that's the that's the language of critical theory and and the whitman that was mentioned in that article is the christian missionary right yep. Who, yep. who came out west in the 1840s 1850s and uh was eventually Murdered, wasn't he? Was he was eventually yeah, I think, killed? I think so. But what what that article is saying, as Russ was just saying, that uh, Whitman used to be regarded as a hero. Now he's a villain. 
uh, because of critical theory. Yeah. Now, Whitman was a human being. Uh, he was a sinner like every other human needed being. The, needed the blood of Jesus. <laughs> he needed the blood of Jesus like any other human, human being. We're not, gonna, we're not trying to turn him into some kind of a, a, a plaster saint. Um, but uh, what you're seeing here is critical theory at work. Uh, a man who used to be regarded as a hero must now be seen as a villain. Why? Because he was supposedly an imperialist and an, impre- and an oppressor. Yep. So let's, let's help reframe the discussion again for our listeners. So if, if you're thinking, man, this, is, this whole idea of critical theory, I can't even get my, my head around it. Well, l- let me help you a little bit. Um, the critical theory is a, is a new religion. It's a new worldview. So it, it'd be a bit like, well, I want to learn what, what Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses teach. Well, that will take you some time. Or I want to learn the philosophies of postmodernism or rationalism. That will take you some time. That's what this is. This isn't some, some simple, you know, one-sentence doctrine. This is an entire way of looking at the world. So mm-hmm. yesterday on the program, we first talked about how critical theory redefines sin. Genesis 3 tells us that sin is um, any breaking of God's law when, when our relationship with him is broken because we disobey him, we don't love him, we don't trust him. But sin, in, in terms of critical theory, redefines it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Can you, again, t- remind us what sin is in the worldview of critical theory? Well, well um, in the worldview of critical theory, um, everything is about power, and certain groups have power over other groups. Uh, in the in the area of, of gender sexuality, men uh, have power over women. Women have been oppressed. Uh, GLBT uh, XYZ uh, people have been uh, oppressed and excluded. And or in the area of race, it's uh, sin is uh, power of whites over blacks and the supposed uh, or any person of per, color per, or any person of color. Uh, the supposed uh, systemic, you'll hear the term systemic racism uh, all the time, uh, that ideas, that American ideas of equality, uh, of equal opportunity are really a fiction. Uh, but the sin is, the sin is redefined as one group having power over another group. And the evidence of that sin existing is that there are not equal outcomes. So, so, Phil, the reason why you're a very successful man and you have way more you know, money and relationships and influence than I do is because you are part of the oppressor class and you, you essentially you stole from me. That's, mm-hmm. that's why you have more in your, on your side of the sure, margin than sure, me. Sure, sure. And we, I, I would want to make clear you know, we're not saying that there are not any inequalities in society. Mm-hmm. Of, of course there are. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that there are not oppressed groups in the world. Of course there are. Uh, and that's we're, wicked. We're that's not wicked. even that's saying sinful. that the institutions themselves might have some of that in it. A, right. That's I mean, right. Amen. I mean, right. Well, we, you know, we, we certainly believe, uh, because we're Christians, uh, we believe... The, the pervasive sinfulness of, yeah. of humanity. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's the message of Christianity, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that covers everyone. 
Yeah. We're all sinners, and we're all tainted by that. We believe in something called total depravity. We don't believe we're as depraved as we could be. We we do believe there's room for deprovement in all of humanity. We can all get worse than we are, but even our good is somehow tainted by the fact that we are are sinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 issue is what is the solution, and what what critical theory does whether you whether you talk about gender or sex or um wh- whether you talk about uh race ethnicity what critical theory does is it turns everything it reduces everything to a power struggle of the oppressor class over the oppressed class and utopia will be arrived at if one group is stripped of power and another group empowered and there is enough truth in that. There's a, enough of a kernel of truth in that to make it float. Uh, the problem is that human nature is such. Well, you know, George, George Orwell, who was not a Christian but very insightful, wrote a wonderful little book called Animal Farm, where the animals are oppressed by the farmer. And the animals rise up and they overthrow the farmer, but... By the end of the book, the pigs are living in the farmer's house and wearing the farmer's clothes. Mm -hmm. They've become the new oppressors. Mm -hmm. That's why Orwell nailed it. Marxism, which is another name for critical theory, is not a fix. It, It just wants to put different oppressors in charge. That's right. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.